Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. All right, guys, thanks for joining us again for Alabama AgCast. This is Hunter McBrayer, Commodity Division Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation and Executive Director of the Alabama Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association. Today we're joined by Stuart McGill of Tate Farms in Meridianville, Alabama, to talk a little bit about agritourism in Alabama. Stuart, thanks for taking a little bit of time to, to be with us today. Well, I appreciate you guys having us. We're looking forward to the to the podcast. Well, I know things are busy up your way. It's harvest season. Um, y'all are getting ready and geared up for agritourism at Tate Farms. So before we kind of get into things, can you tell me a little bit about Tate Farms and, and, and kind of how this whole thing came came to be? Well, um, first of all, uh, most people don't realize we grow things other than pumpkins uh, up here in North Alabama. We are an 8,000 acre row crop operation in North Alabama and Meridianville area. Uh, we're growing cotton, corn, soybeans, and wheat, and of course, pumpkins, what we're probably most well known for. We're pretty diversified, you know, up here in our, very diverse in our uh, operation, uh, from the irrigation to the different crops that we grow. And then probably the most diverse thing we do up here to diversify our business is the pumpkin operation, which is the agritourism side. So um, that's a that's a uh, animal in itself, so to speak. Uh, it's something that we we take on every year, and uh, we look forward to it. And it's kind of become our brand, so to speak, up here in North Alabama. Well, I mean, it, it seemed as though y'all had your hands full before you decided to go into the agritourism side of business. So how did y'all really decide to to choose and to run with agritourism? Well, I would like to say that I, I came up with the idea, but I did not. Um, my father-in-law and mother-in-law and their, and his partners at the time in Tate Farms, uh, back in the late 90s, 96, 97 time frame, there was a huge urban encroachment happening in North Alabama. Coming out of Huntsville, land was being bought up to put in the neighborhoods and those type things. And basically, the family got together and, and had to make a decision if they were going to sell you know, with these developers that were calling them or they were going to, or they were going to keep farming. If they were going to keep farming, they had to find another way to, to, to basically bring in another crop, so to speak, to diversify themselves a little bit more. And so that, that came to pumpkin operation. I think that uh, on one of the bus tours, maybe even done by Alpha, I don't know that to be exact. Uh, they went up in the Northeast uh, sector of the United States and there was a uh, agritourism operation they visited up there that uh, they said, you know, we can do this. And they kept, they brought back that bus tour idea uh, and the networking that they did on some of those tours. And they came back and, uh, and, and presented it to the family. And um, they kind of ran with it. That, that first season, we had five acres of pumpkins. And we probably saw about 1,500 people the entire season. And we thought that was a huge success at the time. Uh, and it was. It was a huge success. Uh, but 25 years later, here we are. Uh, but this is our 25th season. And... Um, and so that, that's the main reason that we started the operation is to diversify ourselves from the urban encroachment. And we needed to tell the people that were moving out here about agriculture, about what we were doing. We were farming in their backyards. We were, uh, we were, you know, our equipment was running up and down the road. And we wanted people to be not only our neighbors, but to be our friends. We wanted to be their farm. You know, everybody grew up in a farm 25 years ago. Everybody had... 10 brew cows and, and a big garden. And they, you know, that was the farm back in the day. Well, what we've noticed is by our uh, endeavors over the last 25 years, we've become the farm. We've become who the, 
who the community looks to is when they say they're going to the farm, they're coming to us. And so that I think those education efforts over the years have paid off. Well, you know, you said this is your 25th year, and it's absolutely incredible. Y'all are, you know, the, as I've, I've told people a lot of times, y'all are kind of the walking dog of agritourism in Alabama, and y'all have inspired a lot of people around the state. So let, let's kind of switch into 2020, I guess. You know, we started hearing some reports, obviously going all the way back into March, in, in my world of, of uh, strawberries and all those things, of the agritourism, you pick, um, kind of businesses that are across the state. Started hearing a lot of uncertainty. This is not something that you can just pick up and start planning for in September. You know, y'all start with pumpkins much earlier than that. And so with 2020 being such a year of uncertainty, you know, how has it kind of changed the way that y'all are looking at fall and how is it looking at the changing the way that y'all are doing business up at Tate Farms? Well, you know, you mentioned the strawberry guys and the things that happened early in the spring. You know, they, they kind of laid a foundation for us a little bit by the, I guess you would say the traffic that, that, uh, that, you know, supported them, uh, the community people that supported them. But it was very new then. Um, everybody was, everybody had to learn about COVID-19. Everybody had to learn about the expectations. Um, and it was still kind of a fun thing. If you remember, we just had to make it for 14 days. You remember that? You know, oh, we're just making 14 days to, to, to stop this thing. Well, it was still a little bit fun. We were on our COVID-19 break of school. Well, it's not fun anymore. Um, and we know that. Um, and so our goal going into this thing was let's don't water our experience down. People have been coming here for 25 years expecting an experience um, and, and a destination. That's what we expect. We're, we're not just a show up and walk in and walk out. We've become a destination for folks that can't go to a, you know, they can't go to the beach or they can't do something and they choose to come to us instead. And so our goal going into it was to perform to meet expectations that we always have given them over the last 25 years, not water them down and not use 2020 as an excuse. That's been my biggest thing and my biggest soapbox, so to speak, is, oh, well, it's just 2020. No, that's not an excuse here. Um, that's not going to be an excuse. We we have a bar that we set a long time ago, uh, very high for, for our customers, for the experience that they, when they walk in those doors. And so we don't want to change that. We want them to still come to the pumpkin patch and expect the old pumpkin patch of old as much as we can and as much as we're allowed to, I guess would be the way to say that. Well, it's kind of a, a, kind of going along that thread. So, I mean, those people that have been there, I've been there. I know what to expect. It, it's an incredible experience. As you said, it's a destination. Um, people look forward to going to Tate Farms every fall. If they've been over the last, you know, five, ten years, whatever it may be, and every year it gets a little bit better, what will be some of the differences that they might be able to, to pick up on um, in this year versus in years past? You know, you know, obviously we've got a lot of CDC things and the state laws that we have to abide by and, and adhere to, so there will be some differences. I can't sit here and act like there's not going to be any differences, uh, but, but, you know, you're going to be able to experience I actually think that some of this is a good thing. It makes us look at our business plan. It makes us look at our, how we handle our crowds, how we move our crowds, and it gets us out of the doldrums of the same old, same old. So I think you will see more efficient lines. I think you'll see more efficient checking out. I think you'll see more efficient play apparatuses and play areas to move people through quicker, to move people through in smaller amounts versus the mobs that some, some may have experienced in years past. So we've stopped and we've looked at our whole business culture and how we move people and how people experience us. 
and we've tried to change that in a way that will benefit the smaller groups. Um, and so by doing so, I think it actually makes us more efficient. I think it's a win-win for both groups. I think it's a win for our business side because it made us look at every piece of our operation. Um, so for those other agritourisms that are out there that are up and going, don't let this thing scare you. In my opinion, this allows us to restructure our business and relook at how we do things. Just because we've always done it in the past this way doesn't mean that's what's been best. And for our customers, we're looking at it by in the sense of let's provide them with a a safer environment than what they're used to outdoors where they can spread out and give them an experience that is new because we have the ability to change things. And guess what? This is the one time that you can use 2020 as an excuse and say, well, things are different here this year. Why are y'all doing it this way? Well, let us tell you why we're doing it that way. And, and, and they can, and they, it, it can be received a little better this year, I think. So we're, we're, we're trying to look at things as a positive versus a negative. That makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, I, I know that this is, this is one of those things where, it, of course, all of the bad that has taken place because of COVID-19. But on the other side of it, we also have been able to see um, a, a lot of customers, consumers across the country refocus on where their food comes from. They, yes. don't have to, they saw some shortages in the supermarket. They saw, uh, you know, all the things that were going on there that didn't really make sense to us in the agricultural world. But it really did push them back to the farm. And so hopefully that will be a lasting impact. Kind of along that line, you've, you've said that y'all are a destination, that you're inexperienced, and, and you certainly are. But one of the things that I admire about y'all is that y'all still kept ag education kind of a, as, a, as a main component of what you do. Um, you keep it at the forefront of the operation. And, and pretty much everything that's going on there, while it's still fun, it's still exciting, it's still you're still teaching people about agriculture. Why is that so important to y'all? Well, it's, it's who we are. I mean, at the end of the day, it's – Basic, basically, our whole entire operation was built on children and the education of the children and bringing them here and letting them understand that there's nothing to fear about agriculture. And we, we look at it as with this is our 30 minutes. Every kid gets, you know, told this, told that, told this about agriculture. And, and we can't get in front of the, the media. We can't get in front of them because, to be honest about it, we're too busy. You know, we're, at, we're the ones out there working just like you guys are. Um, so at the end of the day, we take this as a pride amongst ourselves and a business decision to take this as our 30 minutes. We capture them for 30 minutes and say, hey, let us tell you the truth about where your food comes from. Let us tell you the truth about what we're doing with those sprayers out there. Let us tell you what the real thing is. And, and it gives them an opportunity and a platform to actually ask us. And I, we think that is actually more important than anything is generating questions. We need to generate more questions as producers. We don't need to, to just always tell them what we want them to hear, and I think that's very important, but we need to be informative enough to generate questions to make them become inquisitive about what we're doing. And if they become inquisitive, they'll become believers about what we're doing versus just saying, well, they're just telling me that because that's what they want me to hear. If we generate the questions and we generate the curiosity, then we've captured them and we've reached them at a different level. And so that's kind of what, what our goal is here is every person that walks through this door, we look at as a potential advocate for agriculture. Now it may not always be that way. Let's be honest about it. But we look at every single customer as an advocate because they're on our yard and it's our opportunity to show them that there's nothing to be afraid of and to show them where their food comes from is a safe, environmentally safe and in a public sense, a public safe operation that what we're doing is, is safe. So 
you know, this year's tough because we're not getting in front of those kids. You know, we were seeing around 25,000 kids a year uh, on field trips, and we're not being able to do that this year. Uh, our local school system shows not to go back. They're not doing education tours this year. So we're struggling a little bit in that sense. But what are we doing? How are we combating that? Well, we're getting in front of these children by going to them. We're taking the pumpkins to the schools. Okay, we're, we're going out there. We've called every school that we can um, that is allowing us to step on their campus from last year or years past. If we haven't reached out, we're still continuing reaching out. And we're taking them, the, the, however many, we're just picking one grade. Just, just, I'm just using kindergarten, for example. And we're going to go to that class or that school, and we're going to take every kindergarten student that year a pumpkin because we want them, and it's going to have our sticker on it. It's going to, we're going to them. We, we may not be, they may not be able to come get a pumpkin, but we're taking a pumpkin to them. Uh, we don't want to end that chain. We want to continue that, that uh, tradition of where they get it. Well, Stuart, I, I just want to say, you know, thank you for all that Tate Farms does for agriculture on the education side, trying to get people out to the farm to show them uh, what agriculture is, where their food comes from, and, and that, you know, farming is, is so much more than, than being on a tractor, but you're also showing them uh, everything that's important about what, what y'all are doing out there. And I thank you. Um, thank you again for taking some time away from harvest. Thank you again for uh, taking a little bit of time. I know y'all are gearing up. This is your season. This is your crazy time. So um, th thanks for taking a few minutes to tell me about Tate Farms. Hey, we appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate all you guys are doing. Hey, th I think this is a great, this ad cash is a great idea and I am fired up about it. We can't wait to hear the future podcasts that come out and uh, we're looking forward to it. For all of our listeners, you can learn more about Tate Farms or to plan your visit, check out www.tatefarmsal.com or find the link in our show notes at alphafarmers.org backslash agcast. Thanks again for listening and be sure to subscribe to our channel to hear a weekly conversation about news and issues impacting Alabama agriculture. And now, your weekly agcast wrap-up. This is Russ Durrance, Poultry Division Director of the Alabama Farmers Federation. On this week's wrap-up, I'd like to share with you a little information regarding the Alabama Agricultural Stabilization Program. As you may already know, the Alabama Agricultural Stabilization Program was made possible by Governor Ivey as she awarded $26 million to help assist Alabama agriculture impacted by COVID-19. Of the $26 million awarded to agriculture, $4 million is allocated to support Alabama poultry producers with losses that occurred from March until October. Broiler producers who have experienced out times longer than 17 days are eligible for a payment of half a cent per square foot per day to cover their losses during that extended out time between flocks. Additionally, broiler producers who have been placed birds at a reduced density are also eligible for financial compensation if their density was reduced greater than 10%. Breeder and pullet producers are also included in the program and their eligibility is based on out time between flocks as well. This program will cover eligible losses from all flocks produced from March until October of 2020. Producers who have received compensation from their integrator for density cuts or extended out times will need to subtract that payment from their application. Applications will be available on the Department of Ag's website near the middle of October, and producers are encouraged to apply as soon as possible. 
For more information regarding your eligibility and a payment estimator, please review the show notes on today's episode. Additional resources are also available at alphafarmers.org forward slash agcast. Thank you for joining us for Alabama AgCast. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.